Thank you all for checking out Convergence. Today you're listening to a conversation with Bo Jackson, a good friend of mine. In the podcast, we talk about the problems that we face in life and that infamous now what question. Check out our website at convergenceva.com. There you will find featured artists and their artwork as well as past and present podcasts. You can also find Convergence Podcasts on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Convergence Podcast for the wanderer, cynic, and half-empty. What's up, Bo? How are you doing today? Good. Good to see you. It's good to see you. So much longer than the last time I saw you. I know, dude. I don't even. I don't even remember the last time that I saw you and/or talked to you. (laughs) Like it. It's been a while. Yeah. Well. (laughs) But uh. Just for a little bit of background for the people listening, do you remember how we became friends? Like, I know we met at the church we were both attending, but I don't remember exactly how we started talking. Do you? I do. Actually, I I do. Um, I remember it very well. Uh, It was pretty cool. Because you don't really see this often, and it's um, you know, I think it took a lot of bravery on your part, in that uh, you just um, you came up to me, and it was someone else. I can't remember the other person, but you'd come up to me and another guy, and you're like, "Hey, um, I just really feel like I need more." like friendship in my life more um uh just more i guess you you, you even kind of said like you you thought we were uh um you know good dudes cool dudes and uh said hey can we just um, you wanted to just hang and it was uh it was cool it was i thought you know you don't um see that in a lot a lot of us i know me personally who feel like as i get older friendship becomes less right i think somehow we value friendship i think at a younger age um i just remember being young and having really rich friendships and as i get older you know that just seems to like take less of a priority and that was cool that you you really wanted to prioritize that and so yeah you just came up to um, me and this other guy and um uh and and just um, asked us to to just just hang sometime and we started doing that and uh I don't I actually don't remember like anything after that in terms of like how what the next step was, but I remember that was the first step, and uh, that was always just uh, I remember that really vividly. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I I can kind of sort of remember it now that you mentioned that, but uh, okay. Well, shoot, I'm glad I did because um, we get along so well, and man, I just have a lot of fond memories of us hanging out and talking music or just hanging out um so i think we even played disc golf 
hook up once or twice, maybe? Or was it that we were going to, but you moved away before we got a chance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was pretty busy during that time, which was a good thing that you um, you sort of came up to me in that manner because, you know, honestly, I was I was really just just sort of sort of skating through a lot of that time with how much school I was taking. And um, I really feel like I didn't. Uh, my wife, Amber, she feels like she implanted herself in Virginia. Um, I, I feel less so just because of how much I was just on a whole nother wavelength of just school. And then shortly after, we ended up moving. So, um, no, you're definitely one of the roots of that time. Uh, I didn't get a, a lot of meaningful um, relationships out of that, but you know, you were definitely one. I appreciate you saying that, man. Um, um, do you mind sharing a little bit of your story? Um, just as a kid, kind of where you came from, stuff like that for, um, listeners to, uh, get to know you a little bit better. For sure. Yeah. I grew up in, um, sort of a suburb of Houston. Uh, most of my life, born in Louisiana, but pretty much exclusively raised in Texas. Uh, my parents, in terms of spiritual um, uh, relevancy, was my mother was sort of my um, spiritual anchor, whereas my dad was antagonistic, if not atheistic, uh, when I was young. Uh, he uh, wasn't wasn't a terrible, overly abusive type situations, though there was some. Uh, but he was more just distant. I don't think he much cared for kids. Um, so, yeah, there, that was that. But, you know, just generally felt an antagonist, antagonism towards the church. Uh, he would, you know, make comments. Sometimes even, like, as going to church, like, these people don't know type thing but mom was very fervent um and so we just went to church all the time uh i wouldn't um say there was a lot of um spiritual influence uh i guess even though i you know my mom was very religious wasn't a lot of like dialogue within that i got i got most of it from the church but even that i i always loved to hear um things I, I, I love to hear the sermons even at a young age um i you know came came to christ pretty early uh through like summer summer camp type situation very typical uh so and that you know that was very impactful very real uh, experiential um, encounter with the spirit um so i had that foundation but but i didn't have much mentorship right my dad's not uh, believer my mom even though she's a strong believer you know mentorship wasn't something that maybe she was very you know good at and you know honestly that should come from the father uh typically i guess uh not that it couldn't come from the mother of course uh so i felt you know not really uh strong in terms of knowing my path right i, I was kind of just doing it all on my own 
didn't really connect with a lot of people at the church. Uh, wasn't really that personality. It seems to sort of, you know, I don't know, connect within the, the and it was a large church. It was a mega church type thing, um, very conservative. Um, <clears throat> and so I, uh, although never really lost faith, definitely went on crazy paths, got into a lot of drugs uh, in college, um, a lot of uh, just um, promiscuity uh, with that, uh, which, you know, it's probably maybe even worse than I would say my drug stuff, uh, even though that got really bad. Uh, <clears throat> sort of had like a mental breakdown around. The end of my uh, or the beginning of my senior um, year, I sort of decided uh, I was a, I was a um, art fine arts uh, major. Was skipping through every single type of started out in graphic design, painting and drawing, photography. Was just every time I take a new class, I was like, oh yeah, this is it. But what I really found out was um, I was more into just painting and drawing and, and just art rather than any sort of corporate um, goal in that, uh, which became pretty obvious through my interactions with a lot of the professors and my inability to respect deadlines. Um, <clears throat> and so it became quite clear, like, you know, maybe this wasn't for me. So I ended up dropping out, um, which, you know, got me more heavily into drugs you know, which ended up having, you know, uh, pretty negative consequences. Um, though the Lord was faithful in that and uh, delivered me out of it, you know, actually pretty um, smoothly. Ended up moving back to uh, Houston area and kind of just did, you know, small little um you know food service jobs and uh through my church i ended up getting the opportunity to become a music teacher at um at a, a private school and this was a pretty interesting private school because it was like a like a farm slash a private school whoa and, um, which yeah it was really interesting so they like it's animal integrated, so they had goats and tortoises, and every classroom would have like some sort of pet animal. And you know, I'd, I'd sometimes have to go get the goats when they would escape their pen. Are like, you serious? Like rabbits would like be running around and stuff. It was cool. <laughs> um, but and actually, this connects with how I ended up meeting my wife. Uh, and so, so I was there. But funny thing was, I never they I never even ended up. Of starting the music pro, uh, program, um, so I ended up just doing random jobs. I would sub for different um, grade levels. Um, sometimes they would have me just picking up trash uh, around the thing, just because they didn't have much for me to do. And actually, I ended up befriending the head of the preschool, and uh, and she ended up um, sort of pulling me and making me a, a preschool teacher. So um, I was, you know, out of nowhere with no experience, 
becoming the head teacher of like these fives and four year olds, which was you know quite surreal. But you know, I loved it. I, wow. I sort of had a. I'm just a big kid anyway, so it sort of mentally worked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and so, but my wife, her stepdad was the animal. Um, what would you say? Sort of. They, there were her animals, basically. Those were, um, he was the caretaker of the animals uh, for these. Um, oh, yeah, and they had, like, horses and stuff, and, you know, they did horseback riding there. But, um, yeah, he, he was the animal caretaker, and that was her um, stepdad. And so she worked there as well. She was in, <clears throat> I was in the fives and fours. She was in the infants. She would also do uh, odds and ends. And, and one day I was... Um, up and this was prior to me being in the preschool when they had me just doing random stuff i was like folding pamphlets up in this uh attic like they had this like little attic place and she was up there on the computer working on a future pamphlet and like i said i was in um graphic design prior so and i'm opinionated and will tell anyone that they're doing something wrong, saw what she was doing. I was like, hey, it would be better, I think, if you put this here and this here and this and this. And so she she was she accommodated me. And then, you know, that was that was the end of that. And but like I said, I was the one folding these pamphlets. And so she eventually finishes this pamphlet, obviously, and I'm I go to start folding them and realize she had changed everything back how it was originally <laughs> and and so this was kind of like the jumping off point because i see her later I'm like, you changed it all i told you what to do and, and she was like yeah i liked it better that way <laughs> and so that was sort of the beginning of that you know her ability to challenge me was i guess a challenge in and of itself and we've been now uh, a, a track of I guess, challenging to the best of our lives <laughs> and love. <laughs> <laughs> Lovingly challenging each other. It's a nice way to put it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so that, that sort of, I ended up going back to school and that's what ended up bringing us um, back to Virginia. Before we go any further, um, I just wanted to ask you a few questions about some of the stuff that you shared so far. Um, so you talked about kind of briefly about your dad and mm-hmm. how that relationship with him kind of, um, affected you. Um, do you mind just sharing like a little bit more about, about that? Um, just like, how did it affect, um, you personally, um, as a son and then maybe how did it, mm-hmm. Well, let's just start there, and then I'll I'll ask a few more questions. Yeah, I think a lot of the effects were maybe not um, as I don't know what how I would put it. Maybe as active as uh, you would maybe expect from a sort of distant, mildly abusive um, father. Uh, I don't feel like. Um, I grew up to be very bitter towards him or 
or uh, had a lot of anger, or I wouldn't even say, you know, my drug issues were a part of that. Um, I think my stuff was more just situational. I just, being in a more liberal type of group, being uh, artist and musician, you know, it's just, you're just around that stuff more and it's easier to implant yourself in there. But I never felt like I I went into there because I needed something that I was missing. Um, I feel a lot of the effects were lack of direction. You know, I think uh, I feel like a, um, a parental unit, especially a father, is, is really good. It should be good at knowing their child and, and sort of, you know, being like, hey, you're really good at this. And, you know, what about what about this? And so I felt, you know, um, you know, looking back, I just didn't have a lot of direction, even in terms of relationships um, and understanding what the correct way to be in a relationship is. And, you know, um, I guess I feel that was the, is the most impactful thing. It's just the lack of, of, um, of uh, um, yeah, just lack of uh, support and lack of, direction guidance and wisdom right i just didn't yeah. get any wisdom sure from him uh and I, I you know i think as a as a young adult you know it's not we're just dumb right we're just dumb and it makes sense that we would make dumb decisions you know i i, I so often feel um you know my my degree is in counseling and so i uh I really feel through that I found in a sympathy with people who just do messed up stuff, especially at a young age and even at an older age. Like we think sometimes that maturity just it clicks on at an, a certain age, but people who are just, you know, have what they call arrested development, um, they're just, they could be 30 year old, 12 year olds, right? They could just be at the emotional maturity or or just generally have um, a maturity in any area of of life of empathy sympathy all these things of just the really young it just never developed and so people make these horrible mistakes and horrible decisions at sometimes older ages and oftentimes you know we judge them and you know they and consequences are real and we shouldn't remove consequences but I think oftentimes we we expect you know perfection, especially in this day and age where you know everybody's getting canceled for every past mistake they've ever done. And yeah, um, you know, I'm, I've made horrible mistakes as you know as an, an adult and a child, and and so it's um, and you know looking back on those mistakes, I didn't feel like I was being evil. You know, I wasn't trying to make uh, an evil decision, but you know, a lot of times we just don't have, have people in our lives that are molding us, right? I mean, it says in the word, train your child up in the way that they should go. I mean, implied in that is that a child does not know what to do outside of direction. Well, yeah, outside I mean, of wisdom. if you think about it, like, I feel like maturity is built as you experience life and as you you make decisions and you learn, okay, this this was a good decision for this and maybe for another situation, man, I really, 
screwed up making, you know, doing this for this scenario. And I'll probably do this different next time. And next time around you do it different. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like maturity is built over time. And a lot of it, like you said, too, comes from guidance and people around you saying, hey, you really shouldn't do this like this. And maturity is listening and accepting like, hey, you know what? You're probably right. I probably shouldn't do it like this. You know what I mean? Maturity is kind of like an applied thing. (laughs) So because I know. Yes. I mean, it's a skill. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you know, obviously we're not born with it. <laughs> no. <laughs> we're, we're, we never quite get it, you know. I don't I think we all suffer from immaturity. And I, I, I believe that every aspect of um, your personality is its own maturity bar. Like Definitely. I, I like my ability to communicate, that's a maturity. My ability to sympathize, empathize, those are all independent maturities and definitely and so um i mean down to every little small thing so if you if you look at it like that nobody's really mature you just may have a high level of maturity in one area and maybe a low level of maturity it's, it's almost like skills um, that's right so you know i think um so which makes it even more difficult to think uh be a functioning human um sure because you have like how you had said you know that that uh sort of mental clarity to say oh i did something wrong i need to do better next time i mean that in and of itself is a maturity that some people may not be strong in to be able to see to have the clarity of thought to know that they did something wrong i mean i think a lot of times people make mistakes and they don't learn from them because they just, they're not even there cognitively. They yeah. don't see that they made a mistake. And why you'll see sometimes people get so bitter at God, I think, when, when things happen because they think it's happening to them rather than it being a consequence of something they've done, even benignly, even just on accident yeah. kind of thing. Sure. Do you think that that, because I was... You're not the first person that I've talked to um, that's been through kind of some rough things in their childhood um, that says they don't carry a lot of weight from that into their lives, like their adult lives. Um, And for me personally, I've always been pretty blown away by that Um, because I've had, for me personally, it's been a lot of the opposite. Um, And so do you think for you that's part of the reason why you didn't carry a lot of the bitterness into your adult life from your dad because you had the emotional maturity to handle it a little better? Uh, That's a good question. I would say definitely not emotional maturity. I definitely don't think that um i was very emotional mature um i still struggle with emotional maturity um 
I can't really say what it is. I think sometimes it's situational. Um, I know from a little bit of <clears throat> what I know about your story is I think your um, your story is a lot more traumatic. Just really, if I were to like put down the things that happened, mine was more just generally um, a lack of connection. Sure. Uh, which has you know affected me in in a lot of ways, but not necessarily in as as much as a. Um, I mean, I guess to use a term would be like post traumatic stress way. Uh, you know it. I think to get to that level, maybe, um, though I feel some people are just generally biologically maybe more resilient in that area, um, and it doesn't really have anything to do with the situation sometimes. Um, I know that for me, I don't, um, and I don't know if this is a if this was nurture or nature, but I, <clears throat> I'm not affected by distance. Like this, this pandemic honestly hasn't really emotionally affected me very much um, in terms mm-hmm. of, I mean, other than just all the situational things of, of intellectually knowing how, what people are going through, but just my inability to be as connected with people isn't uh it hasn't caused me a lot of anxiety where i see it has for some and now that's not a good thing i mean i not that anxiety is a good good thing but you know i should definitely want to be around others more and again i don't know if that's maybe within me i have the ability to um be content in in, in solitude, maybe. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I mean, I've always, I guess, being in, um, you know, a, a, someone who could just be by themselves for long periods of time, drawing or playing music, um, I can just do those things. And, and I don't. Now, I sometimes, when I do have those connections, I'm like, oh, man, this was great. You know? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, I don't know. I guess I don't know if I answered your question because I, I, I think maybe the variables are, are so so complex to an individual that could could create from a bad situation where they don't have a lot of maybe um, lasting. I guess it would be lasting trauma. Um, yeah, I, I can't really even maybe pinpoint it why it hasn't caused me as much. Um, even my brother, uh, who had more trauma than me, my younger brother, um, he doesn't seem to carry as much. So I don't know. Maybe it's something just genetic. Um, it could. It could be, because like, uh, personal example, my sister, um, she's handled things. At least at a surface level. I mean, I don't know what's going on internally in her mind. But um, at a surface level, she seems to have handled the things that we went through. Um, I wouldn't say... I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily say better, but she has handled it a lot differently than I 
have. You know what I mean? Like it, it seems that looking at it from the outside, it affects her a lot less um, than it's affected me. Like I absolutely needed to go to counseling to work through this stuff in order to function better as a human being. Um, and you know, she, she hasn't gone to counseling and, um, she seems to be doing fine. But, um, like I said, that's all surface too. There, I, I personally, I, I really believe that anybody that's gone through some kind of trauma should at least go through some counseling just to talk through everything and address any internal issues you might not even realize you have you know what i mean um oh but... of course which you know to that point even if you don't think you have trauma people that think hey you know counseling is just generally a good idea um which is you know a hard thing to tell somebody who you know doesn't feel like they need it um but that people just would always generally benefit from counseling um which you know may be difficult for those who don't feel they they have any sort of you know impactful trauma in their lives or something that's affecting them on a day-to-day basis but um you know communicating about your life even just having discussion is cathartic it's um it'll teach you about yourself you know honestly some of the best times you can learn about yourself is just talking about things and you, know, you might have hold a position and then you start talking about it and then either somebody challenges it and and like hey well that doesn't really make sense or you just hear it out loud and you're like oh yeah that that that's weird that doesn't that doesn't make as much sense as i thought it did yeah it's kind of it's kind of interesting too because um our the way that god works with us through problems is very um centered around our our personality like the way that he helps you through an addiction will probably be different than the way he helps me through an addiction because kind of like tying back in to what we were talking about before with the uh, different maturity levels within our personalities like he's probably going to handle handle me differently in an addictive situation that he might handle you. Like there's going to be things that are the same, but you know what I'm saying? Like, well, yeah. And it, honestly, that speaks to his goodness. Yeah, in my opinion, absolutely. Right? I, and I see that with my kids, you know, I don't, I don't discipline. I don't conversate. I don't, um, love them all the way, all the same way. Right. And I think that's one of the hardest, honestly, to do another tangent. If we're going to talk about love, you know, a lot of times people, do things that they think are loving to another person when that person, that's not how they receive love. And so therefore you're not loving a person unless you love them in a way that is best for them. And, you know, God does that for all of us because we're all different people and he wants to have a unique relationship with every single person. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, true. I like that. Um, so like, um, when you're, when you were, struggling um with drugs um and um just the different lifestyle uh decisions that you were uh deciding to take um 
were you still plugged into the church or were you, um, and plugged in, I mean, like, were you still going, were you kind of involved loosely in it or was, were you kind of out on your own? I mean, I got a uh, question, yeah. kind of a follow through to that, depending on what your answer is. Okay. So no, that's a good question. That's a real good question. I think it's a really important question. Um, and no, the answer is no, I was not involved heavily. I, um, had moved away to go to school in Louisiana. And so my family, even though I had um, extended family, like cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents who lived where I was, I didn't have any sort of close um, family, though who knows if that would have made a difference. Um, it might have made a difference in terms of me being more involved with church but because my extended family aren't very much uh, involved with church so i guess maybe that's um, okay you know, something to note but yeah i was i did not you know i would go to services sometimes but i was not plugged into any type of college ministry um of uh any sort of significant relational impact okay Do you th for my entirety of of, of um, my entirety of almost five years of being there do you think a lot of that had to do with like um well for lack of a better way to say it um just a lack of um accountability or just maybe you struggled a little bit with kind of fitting in with some of the church bodies yeah, in your absolutely. area? No, I mean, I think just generally in church. I mean, I feel it even to this day. You know, I still go and I still try to um, have meaningful um, relationships within church. But I think, and this maybe comes back to my sort of upbringing, not having a lot of uh, relational connection to my parents is I don't feel it's easy to connect with people that um, aren't the only way I can put it is just just different um, more odd <laughs> I find it it's much easier for me to have relationships with strange people like because I'm a bit strange and I have anxiety around people that just want to talk about you know their job or the weather or, um, you know, just, just normal things. Like I feel much more comfortable, you know, talking about the intricacies of, of, you know, art and, and, and the philosophy of, 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 of art and, sure. and, you know, want to just discuss movies or music and, and, and so that's where I feel comfortable. Not that that's good. Um, or, or bad, but it's just, I don't, I've, even from a young age, I just never felt comfortable around the types of people. And, I, and honestly, I think in some ways the Lord has, has made that aware to me because I notice how many people dislike the church because of the people in the church. Yeah. And it makes, it makes me understand that, that, um, and it also makes me, 
it also allows for me not to be that. Um, I know it's typically not, um, I, I get along with um, people that are, you know, atheistic very well. Um, it's not shocking to me. I think it's shocking for a lot of people to deal with that. Um, it's always been, I feel comfortable around it, you know, and I think maybe in some ways that's a blessing. Uh, and it, it sort of shows where, you know, the Lord's gifted me in terms of, um, you know, missional uh, potential. Sure. In, in those t- t- types of ways. So, I mean, in some ways, you know, I think it's it's a gift, it's a blessing, though it makes it being in any type of traditional body difficult, which um, I do believe is important. Like, I don't want, you know, for what I'm saying to, to be um, construed as, you know, if you don't fit in, don't go. Um, I think there's a lot of benefit from learning from people who aren't similar to you. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, the, the weirdo artists, like maybe me and yourself, don't have as much clarity on um, truth. We need to be bound um, by truth a little bit more. Maybe we're much more willing. I, I know for me, I'm much more willing to just go to outer space with things, you know. Um, so I need to have foundation. So in some ways, people that make me uncomfortable help me to be more grounded because um, that's what they're strong in. Sure. Yeah. I mean, first of all, completely 100% relate to what you're saying. Um, and I guess the reason that I asked you that um, was I've been thinking lately. Um, it was kind of a on my way home from work one day. And it kind of sort of sounds a little cynical, but I'm not necessarily meaning it to be cynical but um i i was thinking about like when i was going through some you know the rough stuff you know um counseling and stuff like that going to church and what made it hard for me to want to go every week was this thing and this is this is the thing that sounds a little cynical it's um i call it the um christian rapid response team so and what I mean by that is, um, at first I was, I wouldn't say I was like a completely open book, but I was at least giving the synopsis, you know what I mean? Um, and every time I would do that, people would, it was like this, imagine like a SWAT team, you know, like busting in the door and just like, you know, they're their weapons are like the different Bible verses and stuff. And they're like shooting you with these Bible verses. And, you know, at the end of it, I would, I would feel worse than I did initially. Mm -hmm. And this kept happening over and over and over again. And Mm -hmm. I think for me, I've had to recover from a lot of that. And I still struggle with just feeling like, man, if I open up even just a little bit, I'm just going to get mauled down by these verses, you know, and it's like, um, yeah, no, I get you. I, I told there it's, it's a lack of listening. It, it's right. I think, you know, being married, um, especially as men, we're fixers, right. And, 
how many times has a stereotypical scenario happened where, you know, your wife says, you know, I don't want you to fix me. I want you to just listen. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I think that's, that's the thing that people don't do well. We've not good listeners. And, and I think in sometimes these situations, we kind of view them as like, well, you know, which I think is a critique of the whole idea of community within, you know, this, this, the system of church we have right now, because if we were really a body, a community, we could have those moments. We could have those times that made sense that, all right, this is a time to listen. And this is the time to let's have a discussion about it. Let's, let me hear, let me hear about your story before I start giving you, you know, a million different, you know, like you said, verses or, um, fixes to your problem as if you know is if someone just saying a verse is going you know not that it couldn't um you know i mean i think i think the bible is um uh, powerful but you know oftentimes right quick fixes aren't aren't real fixes and well i'm just gonna i think that's part of the problem right there and i feel like most of the time, and there are exceptions, let me just bring it in and speak for myself. Most of the time in my life, with very few exceptions, God, um, I hate to use the word fixes, but I'm going to use this word. He fixes things in my life very slowly and with a certain, certain processes to get there. It's not immediate it takes yeah. you know it's a little bit at a time and i think us as as christians um interacting with a community of other christians we need to remember that you know and s- instead of trying to be like the superhero and the savior and you know yeah. um god works all things together for the good of those who love him you know when someone just shared hey i had a miscarriage you know that's not really yeah. you know what i mean and like yeah. you like you said the bible the word of god we both know is alive and active you know what i mean it 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 has power the, the words of god have power but we need to just be a little more mindful and listen and really absorb what the person's saying, you know, active listening, you know, like repeating some, you know, repeating what they're saying back to them and asking Uh them, Hey, how did this make you feel? And you know what I mean? Like, like a friend talking to a friend kind of thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. It's, and I think it's another thing with, um, it's just another on the list of maturity, right? It's, it's the maturity of being able to help somebody. Um, I don't think we know intrinsically these processes. Honestly, I only learned some of these and still don't do them great after, you know, taking courses and counseling and communication. Um, honestly, one of the best things I ever took and most practical down the earth, I mean, um, yeah, down to earth, uh, um, uh, classes I ever took was a business communications because mm. for that, like, you know, people need their businesses to run 
so well because they're um, you know you know because of the financial need for that and and so it just gave a lot of examples of how to communicate well and how you know in terms of as you know top down communication uh, horizontal communication meaning you know coworkers or, or bosses to you know to subordinates um, and the importance of communication and how we communicate and you know because you know people becoming discontent in a situation is one of the worst um, ways to to uh, to deal in a you know professional environment or our successful environment right because you know a business wants to be successful and I don't think we should look at church as a business but we in that same way want to be successful you know we want to have successful um, uh, uh, connections with each other right we want to have success with going out and and, and telling people about what we believe to be um, something that you know would ultimately be the best thing for them. Um, so if we look at it like that, we can make the parallel. I, and I always really did, I guess, is to see this parallel um, intrinsic in that. And you know, uh, we we none of but again, none of these principles were just intuitive, right? We don't have an instinct of correct. Um, conversational skills and a lot of times our first instinct is to fix the problem right to yeah. see a you know see something that's broken right we, we don't we don't we see it like we would see like a, a a car or something like you're just a car to be fixed yeah um, yeah rather than you know a complex um human who has spiritual, emotional, um, and, you know, psychological needs. Yep. I think for me, one thing I've learned or just kind of thought through, um, just something to say if uh, somebody starts opening up to you and at the appropriate time, just, what, hey, hey man or hey whoever, what what do you need from me right now like what what can i do to help you maybe not help you but you know what i mean like if you're kind of struggling with knowing what to do you know what i mean how to handle it just ask them what they need you know what i mean like i feel like <clears throat> for me personally that that helps like if i'm venting to somebody and they just say hey, man what what do you need from me right now i feel like that would help a lot or i would yeah. take that i would take that much better than like i share and then there's this immediate eruption of this is what i think this is you know blah 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 blah. yeah yeah, yeah. and if i yeah because it, it's just it, it's it just shows kindness too right and we react to sheer kindness, right? Some sometimes just someone saying a nice thing, which that is, right? That, yeah. That would be just a nice thing to ask, and it's 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 like, oh, I just feel good about that sentiment, right? It just right, someone just telling us a good thing that they notice about us. Right. Sometimes just that that can be, oh, well, that made my day, right? Um, and so, 
yeah, just showing care. I think that's maybe. Would you agree that that's kind of what? Yeah. You're, you're maybe saying. Yeah, exact. That's 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 exactly what I'm saying because I think for me, I'm just speaking personally. If I share something that I'm struggling with and somebody immediately either cuts me off when I'm like in the middle of sharing, which I've had that happen, or after I'm share, they're immediately out the gate like ah, blah, 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 blah. that to me doesn't come across as a very caring thing to do. Like I'm, I'm usually very offended by that. Because yeah. it's like, were you even listening to me? And then <laughs> then what they're saying doesn't even feel like it connects with what I'm sharing. Even if yeah. it might, if they would have, you know what I mean, handled it better, maybe I would have been more open to what they were saying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For sure, for sure. I, absolutely. No, so. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, um, I, I heard, I like the saying, it's... Um, people don't care what you know until they know that you care, right? It's a cheesy saying, but, um, right. You, you can't, uh, I guess this is a good thing for anyone who is trying to, um, like change someone's mind about something or, or help them or anything. Uh, you can't do that until they care about you. I, I think about that often with our society, right? Both sides, you know, you know, there's one side that's trying to tell these people that you're being uncaring, and then the other side is telling them, oh, you're being wrong in this way. But that will never change hearts. You know, telling someone they're wrong, typically 99% of the time is not going to change um, the situation. It's not going to um, make them feel heard or, or affirm them in any way but actually caring about them first makes them open for change. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think you got to just care about a person. And, and, and again, I think these situations that you're talking about are people who don't have the expectation, right? They, they are coming in to what they believe to be a casual lighthearted after service or even like, in between um, a stop and chat type situation and then it's heavy right and they're like oh I gotta be somewhere or, <laughs> you know <laughs> you know and that's not that not that that's good I'm not saying that that's okay um, right we should always prioritize um, the needs of others over you know what are most of the time trivial I mean I guess there could be situations that, you know, I got, I, I'm sorry. I have, I, you know, and even in those situations, you know, just acknowledging it, Oh man, I really want to talk more about this. And I am so sorry that you're hurting. Um, I have to go somewhere, but dude, let's, let's talk about this soon. Right. If someone would just say it like that, you know, then yeah. that whole situation, you would feel much better about it. Probably. Right. Definitely. But Two, two uh, quick quick things with that. If you're the person who is busy, definitely follow through with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that, <laughs> that, that sentiment only lasts as far as it like, comes, <laughs> comes true. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah, and that, that is sometimes not a very strong point with many people. 
um, uh, you know, I wouldn't say I'm great at it. Not, you know, I would maybe uh, 50-50 with it, but um, yeah, I, but you're right. You're right. You got to, you know, that's, and that's an integrity thing, right? You said something, um, you know, now, now do it. And you should, you should be the person to follow through with that too. Like, you know, yeah. like if you're the busy one and you say, Hey, like, like you said, um, be the person that comes back to the conversation and says, Hey, when do you want to, whether you have to get together at a different time or, you know, you know what I mean? Like you should be the one yeah. to approach the person. Sure. Of course. I, and I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. It shouldn't be the, um, the person who was vulnerable to then have to be vulnerable again and be like, Hey, when do you want to talk about that thing that I was vulnerable about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And honestly, I think it's always best to make those plans right away. I mean, even if you're in a rush, you probably still have 30 seconds to, you know, nail down, Hey, can we meet for lunch this coming Wednesday or Tuesday or, um, or even putting, the onus on the other person and just telling them when to meet can, can free that up, right? Just giving you the, um, the opening to be like, Hey, will you just, you text me when you want to meet, which, you know, still could be a little bit, um, you know, awkward, but that might make it a little less, especially, um, uh, if, if I don't know, maybe who knows, maybe like you just found out you're, your house is on fire, but outside of that, you probably have enough time to, to nail down a good time to meet at that moment. Right? Yeah. I think that's, that's, it's for some strange reason, we always feel like we have to, you know, leave before we make that commitment, but. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah, dude, I've learned the best way, the best way to make a plan with, when you're talking to somebody is just say hey you want to hang out they say yeah sure then um when are you free um within this week and you know like you said figure it out then it, it really doesn't yeah. take a lot of time and then you don't have to worry about trying to figure it out later because you probably won't you know what i mean just make the plan then yeah hey, yeah and sometimes you got to force that issue with somebody yeah i mean i think we don't necessarily like to plan things you know some people um, but I think you're right. I think the times where things absolutely happened um, were times where we talked about it and we did it. We we planned on it then, you know. I and then put it on your calendar, right? Mm -hmm. you know, I'm 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 someone who will forget if I don't put it on my calendar and have a reminder. Definitely, I will just. Oh no! I was supposed to. <laughs> I was supposed to meet them at at noon. Holy crap! Yeah. yeah, that's that's happened to me before. Um, yep. That's never a fun feeling. No, it's not. So, I do I do quickly want to address kind of the flip side of this coin though. Mm. Because I don't want to come across as um this is the problem and this needs to stop kind of thing. I think there's there's two sides to this. And the other side to the coin is I'm talking now to the person who is hurting, not the person who is hearing the hurt. So as the person hurting, 
I think it's also important to be aware of what you're sharing. Um, whether, well, I guess there's, we could, there's definitely a lot to say there, but I think in general, just an in general thing, don't overshare and don't be aware of who you're talking to and um, give them give them some understanding, you know, like be un a little understanding, you know, if you're sharing something really heavy, you know, I think, um, as the hurting person, you have to keep your, your expectations in check as well. You know what I'm saying? So would you say, I guess to clarify, I don't disagree with you per se, but maybe I'm interested in, in maybe hearing more of why you think, um, you shouldn't, as you said, overshare. And maybe maybe you're talking about like the first time you meet or something. Yeah, it could be um, like someone you don't really know approaches you and asks, hey, how are you doing? You know, mm -hmm. just be aware that you oh, don't yeah. really know the yeah, person that well. And and maybe that, that, that situation doesn't foster um, a super deep uh, conversation in that moment. That, yeah. Maybe to, to understand that, to cut the middleman, right? Instead of just saying what you want to say in that moment, asking for that eventual, you know, more intimate meeting that's um, maybe just you and them. And uh, yeah, I think that's a good, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. If that's, if that's what you, if that's what you're kind of talking about. Yeah, because... Um... I think the reason that I'm saying this is personally I've had moments where I have overshared just because I'm so desperate. Like I've got all this internal stuff and I just need to get it out. And so I'm so desperate to get it out to anybody that, you know, like uh, a coworker, you know, asking, hey, how was your weekend? And then you just explode, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right, Bo. Well, it has been an awesome conversation with you today. Um, for having me, bro. Yeah, I want to thank you for coming on today and just talking about some stuff. And uh, yeah, I look forward to the the next time we can uh, sit down and do this, man. Good. All right, I'll talk to you later, man.